Before diving into today's episode, did you know that this podcast has a supporters club? By becoming a member, you not only gain access to exclusive content, but also play a crucial role in supporting your favorite podcast. See the link in the episode description to find out more. Now, let's get back to the episode. Oh, man. So, let's see. Managed to get a bunch of stuff done. Hmm. Uh, people are still debating whether Sasquatch is real. You know he is. I mean, after a while, he makes public appearances all the time. I'm not going to really say what his name is, but he's one of the most influential billionaires on this planet. I mean, what makes you think that he ain't real, though? You know? He's trying to get us to go to Mars. I mean, if anybody ever takes the time to figure that out. And let's see. Uh, Dover, Delaware is the green. Is allegedly haunted by... Oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. At least now there ain't no too many noises around here so I can actually get started with this thing. Because guess what? It's time, everybody. Welcome to the JBS Show! <laughs> hey, the show's a little earlier than I am. What the hell's wrong with you over there? <laughs> no, anyway, pick it right back up. Welcome to the JBS Show here on... J360 Radio! Hey, what's going on, J360 Legion? How are you all doing today? This is the J-Man, of course. We're back here on the show that started all, the flagship, the one, the only, the J-Man Show. Here for episode 206, baby. Can you just feel the ascension? Can you just feel the motivation? Can you just taste 300 coming? I usually do every time, you, you know, like one way or another as we're climbing up this stuff, it, it's coming together and I love it. And I just found out not too long ago, I actually have a shot in getting this partnership deal here. So I'm going to go ahead and just reach for everything that I can. And you know something? I love doing them cold opens, man. They get funnier every time, <laughs> you know, but I'm going to tell you this. Well, one way or another, I am working on some of the PowerPlay stuff around here. I managed to get that Atari 2600 working, and oh my god, that 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 game system is a beast! Oh man, see, I won't even need to look anywhere else right now, because I gotta go build that library. So if there's one thing I'm gonna be doing, I'm gonna be hitting up flea markets and thrift stores all across the land, like I did when I was a kid years ago when I was like knee-deep in retro gaming. Like, at one time, I just had to try to get stuff in the NES library. I remember one time making that a mission to try to get all the games for the NES, you know? And I would go over to, like, um, the flea market that's not too far from here. It's like It was like this huge red complex, man. Like, so many things there. Like, you could just do so much. And, like, they always had, like, this big section for, like, comics and games. And, man, I lost myself in there a lot of times. That is, unless my mom or my aunts would be like, Hey, Jay, we gotta hurry up and go. We, we got to get out of here. Easy to think about it is, I realize at that point, your elders might be a lot more antisocial than you are because, you know, for as many times they like going places, they ain't like staying. <laughs> I wish I were kidding. I mean, like, you, you ever, like, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you explore a lot of things. So when you explore stuff, you know, you, you tend to linger and you tend to look at stuff. But when you become, like, an adult, like, you know, you, you really don't want to hang out with stuff much. 
You know, unless the um, well, unless the environment's cool, because you know there is such a thing as J360 Gems, and people love to hang out there. And as you should, because we have a new episode of that coming up this Friday. Episode 24 will land. The voyages continue, and I just can't wait. As I segue into that, I want to go ahead and pull myself back here about the terms of exploration. And sometimes exploration leads to great stories, you know? Um, And then I just look and see how certain people just rush, 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 whereas at times, you know, you want to kind of figure it out. There's so many mysteries and complexities out there that you're going to lose sight of that. You're going to walk away from all that, where at the same time, it's okay, like... I love the fact that I was up in there and I saw like some rare Wolverine uh, action figures and I saw some, it was this cool, I think it was like a football poster or something, but it had like Joe Namath on it too. Like little things like that, you could see it. And then I always wonder like how the, the people that were selling this actually acquired it, you know? And that's why I like shows like, you know, Pawn Stars back in the day or even Hardcore Pawn without the drama you know, was actually pretty interesting because the way that they managed to get all those artifacts and things like that, like Hardcore Pawn was interesting because they managed to get this statue of the Silver Surfer, like, from the premiere there. You, you know what I mean? Lord knows who the hell was going to spend all that money to buy it. Raises my hand. I put it down. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> Shoot. If I'm, you know, if I go about manifesting and building this thing the way I am, hell, I will have a Silver Surfer statue somewhere. Or at least the Spider-Man one. Definitely the Spider-Man one, though. You know, one way or another. I feel like the Silver Surfer every time I do jams, you know? Traveling through the interwaves and making you all some excellent content. But that's not exactly the focus of today. Now, the focus of today is really about, you know, urban legends and stories. And I'm going to tell you this much. Like that one I was looking at earlier, you know, about the green. The green is one of the three public squares in Delaware. And it's located where, like, the old Capitol building used to be, where they actually ratified the U.S. Constitution first, which is why Delaware is called the first state. And in case those of you that don't know Delaware history, which is pretty much a lot of you because you don't live here, but, (laughs) well, maybe except Space Force. He's over there in the state next door, so anytime I look and open the window, I always wave to him and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, he's right over there. I should go see him sometime. Eh, I'll, I'll leave it in the future. But the point is, is this, like, when it get right down to it, the green, while a very beautiful area, is also one of the most dangerous spots to be in at night. It's right there next to, um, Lockerman, I think, because, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty dangerous. I mean, it's gotten better, but you still should never go there at night. So I wonder how plausible this actually is. They say that, you see, there's an angry judge apparition that supposedly lingers there, and it walks the tombstones around, like, nearby and out onto the green. And it's supposed to be around that Capitol building area. It's it's interesting because, I mean, like, I've talked to people about this one. And some people don't even know the name of the judge. And then there are some people that are like, yeah, you know, the tombstones and areas around there. Like, nobody goes near them. So, but then they do first night over there when it's like, you know, they do this big celebration for, like, when the new year comes in. Like, people go to the green, they see the fireworks, and they have, like, a big celebration. It's actually pretty nice. But, and not to mention the 4th of July celebrations. So, I just wonder how plausible it could be. I mean, is the judge out there hanging hanging with them as he looks and says, Yeah, you enjoy your party today, but soon enough, if you don't leave my land, 
I will haunt you for the rest of your days. I sure hope that worked, man, because I was going for creepy, but it felt like Swamp Thing. <laughs> but hey, you know, I just really wonder how plausible it is. It's a very interesting one because it has been proven. Now, there has been some that have been proven about whatever the hell lives out there in the Great Cypress Swamp down in South Delaware. Now, if you ever want to film like a horror movie or something, like a backwoods movie, that is the perfect set. But I wouldn't recommend you go out there like on rainy days or whatever because the swamp tends to rise and I think it becomes sentient. I'm sure probably like Man-Thing doesn't live down there in Florida. He does in the comics. He lives in Delaware. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I'm claiming it, damn it. And, you know, that whole thing about um, Bigfoot being, um, you know who. It might be true. You've noticed that every time we see, um, you know, that certain billionaire roaming around, we never really hear from Bigfoot. I'm just letting you know. You don't see him in the same room. See what I'm saying? Now, to start us off, we're going to be uh, looking into stories, I want to say at least three to four from James Proud. And his book, Urban Legends, Bizarre Tales You Won't Believe. And I'm going to tell you one way or another, this is a damn fine book. So if you ever get a chance to see a copy or whatever, I highly recommend you pick it up. That's my little book club speech for you all. Reading is fundamental. Be about that life. Now, you all heard about the idea of underground gators, right? You know, like allegedly in New York, there's like gators in the swamps and stuff like right down there in the um, sewer, sewer front and everything. Well, you know, the truth is... I never went down there myself, but it's like that. The irrigation system of New York allegedly is, like, wonderful. It's a huge maze, you know, especially when you walk around through it. And as it should be because, well, it's New York, for instance. And the same thing could be said about any metropolitan area. So that makes you wonder, are lizards and all that kind of stuff down there? I mean, because, you know, technically a sewer is an ecosystem of its own, not to mention that a lot of our uh, feces go down there. So it makes you wonder exactly how... If it's true or not. But hey, let's take a look at the story, okay? Now, this says, A popular tale, or should it be tale, who pun, that has been circulating since World War II concerns the possible inhabitants of New York's labyrinth system network. Various newspapers have reported alligators being trapped in the sewers, usually identified as unwanted pets. Supposedly, tourists visiting Florida, where the alligators are found in the wild, would buy young reptiles as pets. But when they would realize that they were growing gators that were no longer that cute and would soon outgrow the bath, they flushed down to them down toilets and in drains. And if the alligator survived this ordeal, they grew fat on the thousands of sewer rats that weren't expecting to find an apex predator around the next corner. And they made it with each other to create a subterranean reptile swamp. The first reported sightings emerged in the 1930s when sewer workers caught flashes of creatures in their flashlights and hunters prowled the tunnels armed with rifles. In 1935, the New York Times reported that the youth shoveling snow into a manhole had spotted an 8-foot alligator in the water at the bottom of the drain pipe. He was extradited and killed, and some that's... And let's see, some say that sewer gators go blind and lose their color due to the lack of sunlight, like other known reptiles that live in complete darkness. Now, stories of these reptiles growing up to unprecedented proportions due to the effects of noxious chemicals in the drains are particularly unsettling. Alligators have been known to travel through storm drains in southern American states, often emerging in, let's see, in suburban neighborhoods, thus proving that they can survive in these environments. Well, that's true. There's been a lot of um, documentation of, like, alligators popping up in areas, like, coming right up out of the um, toilet drain and all that kind of stuff. 
And that is true from like, like lots of areas in like, um, let's see, North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, let's see, Georgia had it one time. I don't know if Delaware actually had an incident like this, but with the way things are going and how earth changes after a while, I believe it's going to happen. I mean, one way or another, it's like, we're not far from New York anyway, so they might already be here. It's one of them kind of circumstances is where, you know, once you put your ass on the pot, you know, you're at your own risk because chances are something might come up and, you know, <laughs> bite you in the sphincter. But that's just the way it goes, like, you know, from time to time. I mean, one way or another, it's it's a freak accident, and just make sure you got insurance for anybody that sits down and just drops a load. I mean, you know, just one of them kind of things. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, people do buy them, you know. They do go down there and they buy that kind of stuff. I wonder what would happen if I actually had a pet alligator. I wonder if a lot of those, um, <laughs> I wonder how many friends I would actually have at that point. But then again, I'm not going to get into that because there was a lady that bought a chimp, remember? So, here's one with sewer rats since we were talking about them. Even if you live in a country that doesn't suffer from infestation of alligators or snakes, you're still not safe. In any major city, you're probably at risk from coming across another unwanted visitor in the bathroom. A woman in South London was bitten by a rat that tried to jump out of her toilet while she was still sitting on it. To her horror, she looked in the bowl and saw several other rodents trying to escape, and they weren't put off by repeated flushes. She used the toilet plunger to plug the hole until pest controls arrived to sort out the problem. In another incident in the same area, a couple heard a strange scratching coming from under the toilet seat and opened it to find a rat trying to get out of the bowl. Rats can hold their breasts for long beards of time and squeeze through the tiniest of gaps. They find it easy to shimmy up drainage pipes from city sewers in the toilets in search of food and whatever else people flush down toilets. And American toilets are particularly attracted by the food disposal systems and kitchen sinks with sightings spanning from Seattle to Europe. Well, that's not really an urban legend. That's just how the sewer rats live. Yeah, I mean, you, you got to understand. I think I made a joke about this one time or another. Like, where, you know, if you corner a rat, you will fight to the death. And one way or another, that rat's not giving up without a fight. So you might want to make sure that you have either a knife or a billy club and just go to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when it's really a throwdown kind of scenario. That's just the life of the rat. That's really true. I mean, you know, the way they squeeze through things. You get this big, fat, nasty rat that, that come up out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden it looks at you like, what the hell are you looking at, some bitch? And then all you look back at it and you're like, oh, you called me some bitch, huh? And then at the end of the damn day, you know, you just pray that his four sons, who were all training ninjutsu, don't come up after it. Because one way or another, it's you and him at that point. It's Thunderdome, baby. Usually when you see a rat. <laughs> just letting you all know i mean at the end of the day it's kill to be killed you got to be about that life and yeah as i am talking about animals like that you know you might want to be aware of what goes down you know what why don't we just focus on animals again <laughs> this one is called dangerous dolphins all right so you know how, like some people do the dolphin encounter or you probably watched that king of the hill episode where like hank was in the in the pond and then like he he <laughs> He he rubbed the dolphin's stomach, and the dolphin's stomach started changing pink. And then all of a sudden, it looked to him and started to try to hump him. And, well, actually, it didn't try. It did. <laughs> it managed to take Hank to a whole nother level. And, <laughs> I mean, it's really, really messed up when you think about it. But considering that it's animated and stuff that happens to Hank Hill is usually pretty funny and deranged in some way. It's like... I remember seeing this video where this girl actually paid for a dolphin encounter. And then you see the dolphin 
being a dolphin, came right up on her. And not just to eat. He came up right on her to say, Waka waka wow, 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 And then like going back and forth, doing the motion and everything. And she, she, she over there, she having a good time with it though. But you see, later on, you know, her and her boyfriend actually sued it because they didn't realize that the dolphin was actually on its, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> so as it was going through the motions and stuff, the, um, I don't know how I can put this story without like not putting that in your mind, but I'm going to have to, because one, this is the J man show and two, I got to get to the point. It's, uh, <laughs> she was covered in donkey spunk for like, um, the whole vacation. Like she had a smell and an odor. So, you know, kind of like it is when you get stink dick, I- I'm just saying, but when it get right down to it, you know, or, or some of you ladies out there with your vaginal backdraft, you, you, you get what I'm saying. We're human. We, we discussed in this. Oh, anyway, deal with it. But you know how that stuff gets crazy. And then chances are if that dolphin is not having fun at that moment because they have fun like we do, it might be looking to kill. And this particular story here is called Dangerous Dolphins. So and get this, all right? If you're ever swimming in the Gulf of Mexico and you come across a friendly looking dolphin, don't get close to it. It might have a license to kill. In the 1980s, the U.S. Navy began training dolphins and sea lions as underground, I mean, undercover operatives, fitted with electrical sensors that their handlers would use to control them. The mammals were deployed to detect mines in port and keep watch for enemy divers around nuclear submarines and ports and to help protect warships at sea. When Hurricane Katrina devastated the Gulf of Mexico in 2005, a story began circulating that a pod of these highly trained and intelligent creatures had escaped into the sea from a facility on the coast of Louisiana. Oh, hey, Rob. (laughs) Yeah, that's where he's from. Even more frightening were the rumors that these particular crustaceans were trained not just to patrol, but to kill. As a U.S. warship was targeted by terrorists in a harbor in Yemen in the 1990s, the U.S. Navy apparently started to train the dolphins for more aggressive missions. Fitting them with toxic dart guns to shoot at underwater intruders, the government refused to confirm or deny that the animals were missing. Dolphin experts expressed concern that the escaped animals may have been conditioned to attack divers in wetsuits and naval training exercises and that they would be able to tell the difference between a terrorist and a regular swimmer. Oh, wait, they said that they would not be able to tell the difference between a terrorist and a regular swimmer. Yeah, okay. Let's see. Luckily, nobody ever reported meeting the combat cestations, but, or at least nobody survived to tell the tale. Before their success with dolphins, the U.S. Navy tried to harness the powers of larger sea animals. They wanted to train pilot whales and orcas to follow boats out to sea and to also retrieve items such as explosives from the seafloor at depths that human divers could never hope to match. And in the late 1960s, a male orca called Ishmael, after the Moby Dick character was captured off the west off the coast of Washington state and trained in California before being transferred for open sea testing in Hawaii on his first mission off the leash, as it were out of his sea pen, he was conditioned to return when called via a radio transmitter attached to his head. After several hours of retrieving items, Ishmael apparently got bored of the test, slapped his great tail on the water near the observation boat and swam off into deep water. He ignored the radio messages calling him back and was never seen again. So, in other words, as we make fun of Aquaman, we are over here trying to be Aquaman. You know, actually, this whole thing sounds like it did come out of a James Bond novel, right? 
you know, like where they actually did try to utilize that as like a death weapon or like the sea sharks and all, you probably noticed like there's a trope behind that. Like, you know, the death trap or the card carrying villain. And then like when it gets right down to it, um, looking at this kind of scenario play out, I'm like, hmm, you know, it's kind of sussy, but at the same time, it's like, when I mentioned that whole thing about dolphins and stuff, like, when you're in that domain with them, like the Gulf of Mexico, or even the Gulf of Japan, or any sort of body of water, you're in that domain, I mean, yeah, they're gonna go ahead after your ass, I mean, chances are, like, as hard as that hit is, and as it punctures right into your side and stuff, and we're very squishy things, especially in water, yeah, <laughs> you're at your own risk anyway. It might be licensed to kill and licensed to hump. And then, you know, the thing about it is death by snoo snoo. And, whoa, you know, I, I'm sorry to mess that up because, you know, honestly, that's how I wanted to go. You know, like for real. But I shouldn't be talking about death like that. You know what I mean? And, uh, Jesus. Especially with the idea of what they were going to do with that whale. I can only imagine what would happen with Ishmael at that point. You know what I mean? Now, should we go ahead and mess with your food? Or should we go ahead and mess with something else? Ah, eh, let's mess with your food. You're good. You're grown. Okay, so this one's called Frightening Food. A woman was driving home from work and was late to pick up her children from her strange husband. She knew they would be hungry, but there was no time to cook anything. So she pulled into a drive through Mexican fast food outlet and hurriedly ordered her usual batch of burritos. When she got home, the kids devoted the food. Uh, devoted? You mean devoured the food? Yeah, uh, you know, proofreaders, please. And devoured the food without a second thought. But one of them complained that it tasted funny. The mother told her not to be fussy and that it would be wasteful not to finish what she had been given. The next morning, all of the children and their mother had terrible stomach aches. And when she picked them up from school, they were all complaining of pain in their gums. When the symptoms did not ease and their gums began to bleed, they visited the family dentist who delivered some shocking news. The family were displaying the first signs of a cockroach infestation. The insects' eggs were burrowed in the gaps of their teeth and their gums and were growing inside of their mouths. The likely culprit was the fast food. And it turned out that the Food Standards Authority had recently shut the restaurant down because of their terrible hygiene record. There were rats in the deep fryers and insects in the refrigerators. What the woman did not realize was, was that some of the restaurant employees had reopened the drive-thru to make some extra money without the boss knowing. With no rules, the kitchen had become dirtier than ever. And when the Food Standards Authority raided the premises, they found one of the worst cockroach infestations they have ever seen, and the restaurant was never allowed to reopen. Okay, now that's a very interesting piece, but let me just tell you this. If, if that does go down and people actually do open up, you really can't conduct a business like that without somebody knowing. Understand me? And who the hell is texting me right now? Ease up. I'm doing the show. Now, the truth is, is this, right? I would like to say that even if you had something like that open, ain't nobody going to work in no real, real <laughs> asinine place like that, right? You know, would you think the smell would kill you alone? Or the idea that there would be rats and vermin all over the place that you would just be like, yeah, this ain't going to happen, champ. Um, nah, 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 you know? And then there's the whole concept of like where the money goes. But the idea of this woman and her children eating that infestated stuff and then all of a sudden getting like an outbreak in their mouth and all over themselves, I wonder what happened to them. I mean, because, you know, allegedly in like other foreign countries, when you eat insects and all, that's protein. So, hmm. 
it make you wonder. I mean, at least the burritos are a lot crunchier. You know what I'm saying? Maybe at the same time when you get to that point, uh, like even eating cockroaches, some people eat cockroaches. So maybe they just couldn't handle it. But you know what, though? You're all very smart and wise people. You can handle it. I know you can. I believe in you. And you're probably wondering what the hell I'm eating. Mind your business. Now, <laughs> moving forward. This one is called, let's see, this one is called Uncle Roger. Now, oh God, I can only imagine where this goes. You know how it is when you talk about somebody and their uncle. Well, here we go now. We're going to talk about the uncle right now. Okay, a Dutch woman and her husband had moved to South Africa for a year. She landed a new job in Cape Town, and her husband happened to have some elderly relatives in the region, including a kindly uncle named Roger. The company, the bah, the couple liked their new country, but they had missed their home comforts, so the man's parents sent them from Holland with their correspondence. The expats replied by sending South African delicacies like biltong and various obscured sausages. You don't say. One day, the man's parent received a jar of powder in the post from South Africa, but the accompanying letter was missing, and they assumed that it had got lost in the post, as it had traveled a long way to Europe. The jar was unlabeled, but they took it to some kind of African flavoring, or perhaps an instant hot drink. It tasted strange, but quite meaty, and so they had a mug full with hot water, and they always thought that they should try new things, and then left it in the cupboard. A couple of weeks later, they received the missing letter, and it said that the couple were having a great time abroad, but sadly, Uncle Roger had died in his sleep. They had to cremate him, and as one of his last wishes had to be the return home to Holland. They had sent his ashen in the parcel for his half-brother to spread on the canals where they grew up, and there was nothing else in the parcel, and what had happened slowly dawned on him. They made Uncle Roger into a disgusting hot drink, and the rest of him was sitting in the kitchen cupboard. At least he'll be with you forever. I don't know why you're upset. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you, you stirred up Uncle Roger, and then you just noticed that not only did you love him from head to toe, but you also tasted his forehead and his dick. And that's really damn disgusting that I said that, and I must have been staying up too late because um, I usually know how to put the filter on when I go that far. That's very damn disgusting. <laughs> Uncle Roger doesn't deserve this. That'd be kind of interesting, you know, like if you had like the um, real, real powdered ashes of somebody that you dearly loved and then that you and your lady are sitting there and you're enjoying each other and be like, hmm, this coffee is interesting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? You can say that it's very, very, very mature <laughs> and it has that deep taste and all. The grounds are just right. It's morbid, I know, I know. But at the end of the day, like I said, one way or another, they will always be with us, right? <laughs> Admire your ancestors, because you never know. They'll find a way to be in your life. But at the same time, though, you might want to be aware of that next uh, jar that you open up. Because it might not be seasoning, it, it might just be them. Now, let's see, I mean, that's technically four stories i can end the episode right then and there but i'm not doing that i think you guys are actually worthy of some more time so let's go ahead and see what other urban legends we got here for you yes okay we'll be dealing with transport in this one this one is called a good tip all right so hey let's take a listen a story was circulating online by a young college student from ireland who was driving home from work one evening when he saw a Mercedes stopped at the side of the road, an elderly man was hunched over one of the wheels, 
clearly having some trouble with a tire wrench. The boy parked behind the broken down vehicle and offered his services, as he was a bit of a petrol head who had changed many wheels over the years. The man didn't seem terribly phased with the offer, but he let the student help. While he was working, the young man complimented the owner on his choice of car and made jokes about his own vehicle, which he could barely afford to keep on the road. He liked to talk, and by the time the wheel was changed and the owner was ready to drive away, he had told him most of his life story. The driver had barely said a word until then, but he asked the student's name, thanked him, and was on his way. A couple of weeks later, the student was going through his post one morning and opened an envelope. Inside was a check for 10,000 pounds with a handwritten note saying that hopefully by the time he finished college, he might be able to buy a Mercedes. Oh, see, that's cool. Like, oh, man, see, that's awesome. See, why, why can't I have a scenario like that? You know what I mean? Like, where I help somebody and then they end up giving me a bit of money and say, I hope your movie works out. Or they end up saying, like, you know what? You're going to need something to help you out with J360 Productions a little bit. Take the edge off. Like, that right there, that's actually pretty cool. However, you know, given considering the uh, circumstances and the way human relations are nowadays, and not to mention, like, um, how anything can go from zero to 60 at any moment, it's kind of tough to say. But there are some decent people out there. And, you know, like, some of y'all are probably sitting there saying, like, I wish I had that kind of kind of dough. And I'm like, you know something? You're not alone in that. Especially if you're, like, in college, you know? Like, little things like that. Mm. Let's see. This one is called The Abbey. Actually, no. I actually, going back to it, I actually like that story. So, put a pin in that one. This one is called The Abbey. Now, many years ago, a bus driver was working the night shift on a Sunday night in a British city. He was driving an empty double-decker bus on his usual route from the city out to the suburbs when he saw something unusual. On his journey, he passed an old ruined abbey, home to the largest cemetery in the city, but there was not, uh, the, but there was never anyone at that bus stop, for there were no houses on that road. However, that night, there was something waiting for the bus, a gray-haired man standing as if to attention at the side of the road. The driver couldn't remember the last time he had picked somebody up at the stop. In fact, he initially drove past the man before noticing him in his mirrors. He sighed and reversed back to the stop to pick him up. The man was smiling, which struck the driver as odd, and told him that he wished to go to the next stop, please. Before climbing up the top deck without saying another word. Then the driver realized that the old gentleman hadn't bought a ticket, but he couldn't be bothered to stop and go upstairs. The man could pay before he got off. The driver continued on his journey and completed the 20-minute stretch in surprising quick time. He stopped and waited for the man to come down, and when that didn't happen, he yelled that they had reached the stop he had asked for, but there was no reply, and the man did not appear. But the driver got out of his seat and peered up at the top deck. He walked up the stairs and saw that there was nobody. His passenger had disappeared. Was he imagining things? Then he heard the bus door open with a hiss, and he looked back downstairs and saw the smiling man was outside again, waiting at the bus stop. What the? The man whispered to himself, and he made as if to ask himself what he was up to, but he stopped when he saw the building behind the man. They were back at the abbey. Next stop, please, said the man as he got on the bus. Whoa. That is awesome. Did you feel the chill from that? I mean, one way or another, it's like this, you know? There's been many stories about, like, how you go about transportation, and, like, there's always that one old building that you never really see anybody living there, but the chances are it's like, you know, there's something there, though. 
like one way or another, like you see that person standing out in the front and then like, you know, you take them somewhere and then little did you realize they say the next stop and you take them to the next stop and it turns out to be another haunted area or it turns out to be the same haunted area. Like that is wicked. You know, there's actually this old house, like not too far from where I'm currently at. And you see, I drive past it all the time and it looks like an old broke down area and all that kind of stuff. Like the grass is not maintained and nothing's ever really, really upkeeped. But, you know, and I just really didn't pay attention to it, but I always just kept driving by it, you know, because it's on my way to like work or on my way to anywhere. And you see, there was one time I was coming back, right? And then this light just popped on in there. And I was like, oh, that was weird, you know? And But there's nothing there. There's like no cars. There's nothing like anywhere. But that light was on bright as day. And, and it's just pitch black darkness as I'm coming back home. And, you know, I thought about it. Now, I made sure like one way or another there ain't nothing standing out there and stuff. But then I'm like sitting there thinking this. There's somebody living there, you know? And then as I think about it, I'm like, huh. So, you know, I started driving over there again, right? You know what I mean? Just just because to see, like, if I could get a sight of whomever. Not going up there, though. No, no, no. Don't ever do this. But, you know, like, when I drive around at night and stuff like that, and I usually look over there to see, but there's always that same light on nothing else and it's wow you know what i mean so but then again you know the thing is you really don't know just because appearances seem a certain way it doesn't mean like there's nobody living there but for that particular moment it was really interesting i'm sure some of you have uh read um to kill a mockingbird right you know the boo radley house and all that kind of stuff i think that's kind of similar to that but i'm not gonna mess with who lives there though you know what i mean because um for one thing, I can see myself in that same predicament, you know, where I don't want to deal with people. And, um, you know, I like my space. Whereas, like, you know what I mean? Like, you don't want to mess with that kind of stuff. Because it could be somebody living out their final drags and they're just trying to get through life. So, that's the way I go about it. But other than that, though, I mean, that was pretty chilling in this one. Now, how about we go with this one for your final story for the night, Okay. This one is called the Red Motorbike. Now, pay attention. Jamie had wanted a motorbike for as long as he could remember. His uncle had one and gave him rides on his back until his mother's put a stop to it, saying it was too dangerous. He couldn't wait until he was old enough for his own bike, but first he would have to get round his mother, who hated the idea. Jamie pestered his parents for months until he turned 16, and eventually they agreed to let him buy one, but only if he got a good teacher and learned how to ride safely. His uncle agreed to show him the ropes and took him out on a few lessons. Jamie was a good student, and his uncle thought he would soon be ready to go out on his own. He just needed to perform an emergency stop without falling off the bike, so he told his nephew to drive around the corner and then return. The uncle's plan was to jump off the pavement into Jamie's pass, forcing him to brake as hard as he could. No problem, thought the boy, and disappeared out of sight. The uncle saw the red motorbike coming down the road and promptly jumped in front of it. However, the bike barely slowed down as it plunged right into him and threw him back on the pavement, breaking several bones and leaving him unconscious. Seconds later, Jamie rode past on an identical red motorbike. Wow. That's messed up! 
Yo, that that is messed up. Like, there are ways to teach people, and, like, right then and there, that's a very extreme way to do it, but it's like, yeah, yeah, wow. You, you know, the irony in that story, like, damn. I mean, give or take, that's that, 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 wow. Mm. So how do you all feel about that? Oh, why am I asking that question? Jesus Christ, what is wrong with me? I mean, I've gotten a lot more remorseless since I started, uh, Doing this series. <laughs> Gee, what the hell am I asking y'all that for? Mostly I'm saying that, though, because I want you guys to end this on a happy note. And since we got time until, like, 45 minutes, let's go on ahead and go with another story. Maybe I should have saved that other story for, like, you know, last. Okay, um, this particular one, this is called... Oh, I can't read this to y'all. Well... Nah, I can't. I can't do that to y'all. That's 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 a terrible story. Um. Okay, well let's try this one since this has last in the title. Last journey home. A young Italian man was traveling home from university at the end of term when a local family joined him in his carriage. Judging from the clothes, he assumed they were rural workers. The mother started to chat to him about the long trip while her husband sat next to her and her son next to him, and they carried the husband into the carriage, apologizing, explaining that he had been drinking too much wine. The man slumped with his cap over his face and didn't move. The son looked extremely embarrassed by the situation and smiled awkwardly at the student the whole time. The mother had never stopped talking, and the student eventually got the feeling that she was trying to distract him. When he learned... When he leaned over the family to retrieve his trunk from the locker to get something out of it, she insisted that she lift the heavy case herself. And then the son left the carriage and the mother followed, saying that she would only be a minute. The student took the opportunity to put his case back in the locker, lifting it up over the man. But he lost his grip and the case slipped through his hands and landed onto the man's head with a terrible crack. The man slumped to the floor and the student gasped in horror at what he had done. All his attempts to wake him failed, and he started to worry that he killed the man. He felt for a pulse, but there was none. The student started to panic and decided on his only option. He opened the carriage window and with some difficulty heaved the body out onto the tracks. Just as he closed the window, the woman returned. She stared at the empty seat with a worried look, but the student tried not to let on to anything that had happened. Where is he? the woman asked. The student calmly told her that he had gone off the carriage and suggested that he perhaps was in the restaurant car. The woman insisted that that was impossible, and she shook her finger in the boy's face, asking, What have you done with him? But he stuck to his story, so the woman sat down, gathered herself, and spoke to him calmly. She explained that she wouldn't get the guard, but the boy must help her find her husband, who could not have possibly walked all the way to the restaurant car. What makes you so sure? The student asked. So she told him, He was dead before he got on the train. They were traveling to his funeral. The boy sat in disbelief as the story explained. The woman's husband had died the night before, and in order to avoid the high cost of taking a coffin on the train, she instead had him dressed up in unusual clothes and pretended that he was a regular passenger. As the boy realized he could no longer be classed as a murderer, he owned up to what he had done, and the man was recovered from the tracks later that day. He was not in too bad a state and made it to his funeral. <laughs> Irony, man. If there's one thing about these urban legend stories... These urban legend stories are filled with a lot of irony. And that's kind of the whole thing. Because, like, right off the bat, that's just, um, 
that's creepy, but it's not as bad as like the mid, you know, the red motorbike or as uh, bad as say, um, the one story that dealt with the rats. Then again, you know, you're, you know, as we get through our times and the way our society is always shaped, it's usually stories like folklore and urban legends and all that kind of stuff that really shape us. You know, we always like that creepy stuff. Nowadays we got creepy pastas. We're actually pretty good about these things as we go on. And it's always good to like read them and it's fun to talk about. Like it's a great conversation starter. Like who really catches the Mothman and who's seen the Jersey Devil? And like, is Sasquatch real? Well, you know he already is. And right off the bat, I'm over here killing moths now. So, <laughs> uh, it's only because I shined my light and I saw one. Yeah, it's summertime, you know, so these bastards are starting to come in here. But you know what? I've already talked your ear off enough. We had a pretty good episode tonight. And I think I'm going to do another one of these down the line. I know I do have to do the Monster Fest this year. Which I'm working on designing for. But, hey... We'll talk about it when we get to it, okay? Now, next up you're going to have is the J360 Power Play happening on twitch.tv slash J360 tomorrow. And no, 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 no. Get, get the link right. <laughs> twitch.tv slash J360 TV tomorrow. And that's happening at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Hopefully we won't deal with any buffering problems. And we shouldn't because I'll be back in the studio that day. And of course you know... You also have jams coming on Friday, and God willing, we'll have a, a showdown series happening on Saturday around about the same time. Yeah, I'm trying to keep all the shows at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern, all right? Just so all you guys can come in and enjoy it, and then, you know, you can chill with me for a while. But until then, I'm going to go ahead and uh, do some damage control, make sure that this place is 100% fixed up so I can sleep tonight, and I will catch you all then, okay? Take care of yourselves, and, you know, honestly, they're just stories. Nothing's going to happen to you. <laughs> well, I hope not. Anyway, this is Jay signing off. Laters, people.